I really believe in a roadmap, especially when you're going after like an intense goal. You know, you need a plan. You can't just go. I think it it really helps when you get lost or rejected. Like it's hard. You get rejected a lot and you want to just close your computer and run away. (laughs) But if you have your goals and that action plan right next to you, I think it becomes more of a process. And I can just say to myself, just following the process. From the cubicle to the lab, the studio to the war room, climbing up the corporate ladder, or joining a scrappy startup, experience a day in the life of the jobs you want. This is the Experience a Day in the Life podcast. We interview professionals, entrepreneurs, and recent grads about what a day is actually like on the job, hour by hour, or as we like to call it, they're a diddle, spelled A-D-I-T-L, which stands for a day in the life. This podcast will inspire you to gain experience beyond the classroom and launch a career of your own. We're your hosts, Chris DeBeau and Matt Poe. Welcome to part two in the two-part Get It Together series. In part one, we went through hour by hour a day in Lauren Berger's life as the CEO and founder of Intern Queen. In this episode, we'll take you through Lauren's career journey so you know what skills and experiences are necessary to succeed as an entrepreneur. Have you ever heard of anyone having 15 internships? Would you ever leave your cushy, well-connected full-time job to start your own business? Are you looking for tips on how to land internship and career opportunities? Let me tell you, Lauren's story and advice she has in this episode is nothing short of inspiring. Let's learn how she did it so you can too. Lauren attended Florida State University for the first two years of college and later transferred to the University of Central Florida. We'll get into why she transferred a little later on, but first... How did that visit at the Career Center turn out and how did it motivate you to, I don't know, take charge of your career? Um, The visit to the Career Center was uh, less than. (laughs) It didn't go well. Nobody cared, basically. And, And I think the mentality... Again, the mentality today about internships is very different than it was, especially when I was um, a freshman in college. So at that point, internships were a thing, but they're not what they are today. And it, it certainly wasn't a thing for you to intern before you were like a junior or a senior. So I was I was told that I could get an internship when I was a junior or a senior and to basically come back then. And um thank goodness that I have this, I don't even know what inside of me that just like doesn't take no for an answer and likes to be a rule breaker. It's probably that sassy social side of me from my high school years. It was something in me was like, oh, she said no, I'll find a way. Right. Because otherwise I, maybe I just would have waited. And, you know, you think about all the other people that wanted to do something and tried to take action and then we're kind of told no and and probably didn't do anything about it. So I went home and I found an internship online. (laughs) I cold called a company. I just called them. I was like, hi. And this was the company specifically that the Career Center said only accepted juniors and seniors. I mean, I think that to be fair to the Career Center, I think that was the company policy. Um, But I think that, you know, now I see it as a business owner all the time. Like there's what you want and then there's what you get, right? And they're not always the same thing. So I think when an eager freshman called and then followed up immediately, it was probably a matter of like, oh, we don't have anybody better. Let's go for it. <laughs> Is cold calling still a reliable method of getting an internship today? I think it can be for sure because a lot of companies still, especially smaller companies, like I live in LA, so small production companies, a lot of them don't have their internship listing online. So if you can find the phone number, 
why not call? I think calling is going to be a lot harder if you're trying to work at Starbucks. You know, I don't Mm -hmm. know. That's going to be a hard, cold call to make. I don't think you're going to get to like Mr. Starbucks internships on the phone. You could try. (laughs) But, um, you know, if you're calling like a small production company where five people work there, but it's super prestigious and they don't have their internship listed. I mean, one of the five people is going to answer the phone. So I think in some cases, absolutely cold calling can work. And from there, Lauren was unstoppable. She took her four years in undergrad and had 15 internships by the time she graduated. 15! But these internships didn't just fall into her lap. She plotted and planned ahead of time. Let's learn how. I want to ask a question about your first book, All Work, No Pay. And specifically, I want to talk about chapter two, which was all about, you know, creating a comprehensive dream list to track the internship application process. Would you mind sharing with our listeners the process you followed to organize these applications so students can do the same? So I have this process called the Intern Queen Dream List. And when I was in college, I I literally did this on a napkin. So it certainly doesn't have to be fancy. But the method and the idea here is that you want to be super aware of where you apply to. You know, whether you're hunting for an internship or a job, we all do that thing where we stay up until three o'clock in the morning one night just going crazy. It's like an application circus. And that's great, except for if you don't know where you applied, what's going to happen when the phone rings the next day and an eager employer calls you and wants to chat, you're not going to know who they are or what company they're calling from. So it's really important to well, A, know where you applied, but B, like organize your applications. And I did that again on a napkin when I was in college, but I would just write down the name of the company, you know, the date that I applied, all the contact information. So the person's name, their email, their phone number, um, and any, you know, notes on what I submitted or what I need to submit. So whether it's a resume, a cover letter, a letter of recommendation, a writing sample, whatever that might be. So again, that intern queen dream list, I think it's helpful because it's, it's, um, well, it's helping you track where you want to apply to, but then also you're tracking where you actually apply to so that if you're called, you're not caught off guard. Um, and then also really force yourself to apply for at least 10 opportunities at once, whether it's an internship or a job. I think when you're a job seeker or an internship seeker, you got to have multiple plates spinning. You can't put all of your eggs in one basket. So the intern queen dream list should help that. But how do you know what internships to apply for in the first place, especially if you're not entirely sure what you want to do with your career? And how do you cope with the likely reality that you're going to get rejected? Lauren says it's time to plan, measure, tweak, and repeat. And remember, rejection doesn't mean never. It just means not right now. These are two of the many methods in her book, Get It Together, on goal setting and coping with failure. I really believe in a roadmap especially when you're going after like an intense goal, you know, you need a plan. You can't just go. I think it it really helps when you get lost or rejected. Like it's hard. You get rejected a lot and you want to just close your computer and run away. <laughs> but if you have your goals and that action plan right next to you, I think it becomes more of a process. And I can just say to myself, just following the process. This is my plan. Here I go. <laughs> so Um, It's really important to have those action steps written down. And then in, in terms of goal setting, in the book, I talk a lot about your YQMB. Your YQMB is your yearly, quarterly, 
monthly and biweekly goals, right? And, and those are your bigger goals, right? That Well, it's your big goal. And then you break it down into four pieces on how you're going to achieve it over the course of a year. So like you have a goal. So I'll come up with a plan of like, okay, here's how many emails I'm going to send out. Here's how many of those emails are con- going to convert into phone calls and closes and all that. So I'll come up with my plan. Um, but then like four weeks later, you know, a month goes by, if that plan isn't working, I a need to kind of like measure, right? I need to see, is this plan working? And it's really important to check that because it sounds silly, but a lot of people don't check like, is my plan working? So it's plan measure and then like tweak the plan, right? And then you repeat and then you try it again. So it's just, you know, it's all a work in progress. And I think that's part of coping with rejection is like, just because like plan A doesn't work, doesn't mean there's not a great plan B around the corner. And then when I talk about rejection, doesn't mean never, it just means not right now. I have learned this lesson so many times. I get rejected multiple times a week because I am someone who advocates for myself. I put myself out there all the time. And I think the more you put yourself out there, you know, the more likely you are to get rejected. (laughs) And I get rejected all day, every day. So when I get rejected, um, I just try to kind of save face and keep a nice relationship with whoever it is that's rejecting me that day. (laughs) And I try to follow up and stay in touch. And my goal is to turn that no into a yes. That can certainly be applied to your job search, to your internship search when you don't get the thing you want, but then you stay in touch with the HR manager and eventually you get it or they work somewhere else and then you get it. After her first internship freshman year, she got a summer internship in New York at Backstage. She told us she wanted to go to New York because her curiosity and ambition for career opportunities was not being met at Florida State. And I I love that summer because in school, I think as soon as I had that first internship, this like ambitious side of me was like, it was like a monster unleashed. And all of a sudden I was super ambitious and I was having a lot of trouble at Florida state finding like this. I don't mean this to sound bad, but like finding like-minded people, right? I was a freshman at Florida state. It's a big party school. It's a big football school. Like I, I didn't, I didn't know anybody like me. And so interning in New York was challenging because everyone was a lot older. Most people do that when they're 21. I was 19. And so it was a little bit challenging at the beginning because of that. Like I remember everybody was going out every night. I had to like call my dad, cry and beg him to let me pay $40 for a fake ID. (laughs) And he said, yes. All of a sudden I met these people and yeah, they were a little bit old. They were two or three years older than me, but they were ambitious like me. And so it really like, I feel like it comforted me and it let me know that there were other people out there that were also ambitious and also wanted to like think about the future. Lauren's ambition didn't stop after coming back that summer, but it did inspire her to transfer. So after she wrapped up her sophomore year, she transferred to the University of Central Florida and studied organizational business communications with hope for more internship opportunities, you know, being in Orlando. So one of those internships was at another PR agency. The summer between her junior and senior year, she lived in L.A. and juggled three internships on top of working as a hostess at a restaurant. So I was interning at MTV, NBC, and Fox all in the same summer. 
Um, so I was doing like two days a week at each, you know, I was 20 years old in LA. What else was I going to do? So I just got more and more internship opportunities, um, really to fill up the time. And I, I kind of thrived on that go, go, go pace. So what were you doing at MTV and Fox and NBC specifically? Yeah. So I was with MTV radio. They would send me to these radio press junkets. Um, and we would interview people press junket style about movies that were coming up. So I think I think that worked out well because a lot of press junkets are done on the weekends. So like Saturday was was a viable day for me then. At Fox, that was one of my favorite internships. And actually, two of my best friends in Los Angeles, where I live, are from that internship. Um, I interned in the drama development department. So we were, you know, reading uh, television scripts and watching pilots. And I remember at Fox, and this is not Fox News. This is Fox, like the television network side of things. So this was in the days of like the OC and that show Prison Break that was really big. And then NBC, I was in the on-air promotions department. So it was like an offshoot of the marketing department. And we were responsible for taking television trailers and editing them down um, for marketing purposes. So it was cool because, you know, Fox, and NBC were obviously very similar places. Um, but I was in very different departments at each. So just learning, you know, different sides of the entertainment business. Hop, skip, jump a couple internships. And now it's Lauren's senior year. She was eager for more experience. So she decided to start pursuing freelance writing gigs and eventually wrote for 17, Us Weekly and Nickelodeon magazines. And so, again, not only was I doing these internships, but I'd always, since like elementary school, been a, I'd been a decent writer. And um, when you're a writer, people always say, write what you know. And I knew like two things. I knew dance because I danced a lot when I was younger and I knew internships. So I started writing about literally those two things. So I would just like cold call. I think my first freelance gig was with Dance Spirit Magazine, which I think is still around. And I just pitched them ideas. And eventually, after a bunch of rejection, <laughs> rejection doesn't mean never, it just means not right now. Eventually, they said yes. And then I started pitching like dance articles <laughs> and internship articles. And I remember 17 picked up one of my articles. It was called like Five Ways to Be an Outstanding Intern. And it did really well. I developed a following from that. And that was so the freelance writing. And me, the idea of me writing about internships was really what helped spark this whole intern queen idea. Lauren also put together a book proposal for an internship book, the very beginnings of her first book called All Work, No Pay. She was inspired to write it because the only book on internships at the time was as thick as a textbook and acted more like a catalog than a tangible resource. I was really writing the book that I wanted to read, right? I was looking for this internship book. I couldn't find it. So I thought, well... If no one's going to write it for me, I can write it. And when I, senior year, I had 15 internships under my belt. I felt like I certainly had the experience to write it. Um, so I put together a book proposal, reached out to a bunch of like agents and publishers, cold my style, and I got the nastiest rejection emails back. The response was basically like, nobody cares about internships. We don't need this book. Stop wasting our time. How they how, were so wrong. Yeah, how wrong <laughs> they Boom, were looking sorry, back. <laughs> So obviously you value the importance of internships, you know, paid and unpaid, but I can't imagine that it's a good luck to negotiate a paid internship. Do you think that you negotiated for yourself as best as you could? 
I mean, no. With my first job, I don't think I negotiated at all. I don't know if I could have. I don't know. Yeah, but I didn't. And um, with my internships, I certainly didn't. I think there's a way to do it, right? Especially when you're an intern, if you're trying to negotiate a paid position, I really think that like tone is so important. And also like, and this is when negotiating anything, whether it's a raise, a, a job, an internship, like you have to be like, what are you going to do if they say no? And you have to know that answer before you go in there. Because I just had a situation a couple weeks ago where I was interviewing someone and she asked me what the pay was for a position. Um, and I told her and her face just dropped and it was so awkward. And like, I couldn't, I didn't know what to do from there. And uh, you know, I get it. Like she was applying for a job. The salary that I said clearly wasn't the salary she thought it was going to be or the salary that she wanted, but like, it was so awkward. And mm. so I think like, if you're going to ask those questions in an interview, which you should, like, those are fair questions to ask. Like you got to kind of put your poker face on because while I might not have the salary for this specific position, maybe I'm so impressed by you that I go get the budget mm. or, you know, maybe in two months I have a higher level position open and then I call you back, but I'm certainly not going to call you back. If when I think of your name, I think of the awkward feeling I had when we were in that interview together. So <laughs> I just think like, think about what you're going to say. You know, if you're an intern that's going to ask to be paid, like, okay, but what are you going to say if they don't pay you? Or what are you going to say if they come back and say, we'll pay your bus ticket, but that's it. Or we'll pay your, you know, Metro card. So just think about those things so that you're not caught in an, in an uncomfortable situation. Graduation rolls around and Lauren is ready for the real world with her sights set on Los Angeles. Her first and only job out of college at a company was at the talent agency CAA as a motion picture talent assistant. And I'm really glad that I did because I think it uh, gave me a really solid work ethic and it really taught me how to do just like how to do business, I guess. And I think I use a lot of the CAA skills in my um, role as CEO of my company today. And uh, my job was I was the second assistant. So there were two of us. Um, and at the time, my boss was the head of motion picture talent. And um, it like took over my world. I mean, it was I'd never seen anything like it. And I, I got the job and a, a lot of people would tell me like, you have to work at CAA. You have to go do this. You have to go do that. A lot of people that I admired, um, a lot of people from my internships. And so I just kind of like signed myself up in a way. And I don't think I, or I know that I, I had no idea what I was doing, but yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> it was, it was a whirlwind and I was not very good at my job. I was terrible. Well, I always say like, I am not, and still today, this is a weakness of mine. Like I am not type A. Um, a lot of people think, oh, she must be like super organized because she runs her own business and all this stuff. No, 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 no. And so if you want to be a good assistant, and I think this is like across the board at any company, like you kind of have to be the person that not only wants the rubber bands to be in the rubber band drawer, but like appreciates when the rubber bands are in the rubber band drawer, right? Like I do not have that, like just that like mentality. So because of that, I was just like, I was, I was not just bad at my job. I was like genuinely bad at my job. Like my poor boss who I have a great relationship with today. And we joke about this all the time. Like I just turned her life upside down and I was supposed to be the person organizing it. And I was just a mess and it, it wasn't great building on that. You know, this was your first job entering the workforce. It's kind of like a transitional period, at least for me it was. Can you talk to any sort of mistakes that you made on this job, whether it be like financially or professionally? Yeah, I mean, when I think of like the version of me that worked at 
the talent agency. I like have this vision of like me in this dress that I shouldn't have been wearing because it was too small at the time. And like me at a nightclub, like just a hot mess, like gained a ton of weight because when you work at a place like whenever you get that first big job, especially if it's somewhere like big and corporate, there's, you're just not used to having like free bagels in the morning. And then every day at someone's birthday and there's like sprinkles, cupcakes everywhere. Like physically I was kind of out of whack. And I think socially speaking, it was like all those years in college where I was like the ambitious girl, all of a sudden, like the social thing from high school came back. And like, <laughs> all of a sudden I was like, when you work at a place like CAA, everyone's from somewhere else. Everyone's your age. There's like 85 of you assistants and everyone's friends. So like, it's, it's kind of intense. Like all of a sudden you go from like knowing no one, you move to LA, you get a job like that. You have a thousand friends. They all want to be friends with you. Not Some of them, I'm sure it's genuine, but like a lot of it is like, you know, no one knows who they are yet. Right. So you're like forming these friendships because you think you're supposed to network and there's pressure to get promoted and to be on people's sides or teams or whatever. So there's all these social things happening that are a little bit out of the norm. Um, I was also single. So, you know, there were other social things happening that because of that. So it was just like one hot mess. And then the professional side of it, I just didn't know, like, I didn't know what I was doing. I wasn't really trained that well. And, and that was a big issue. And so I, I never really was taught what to do. So I was kind of learning it as I went and trying to fake it and it wasn't working. So I don't know. It was, it was, I mean, it was a lot of fun. Don't get me wrong. It was like two years of, it was a lot of fun, but it professionally was really hard. And I just remember, I thought I was going to get fired every single day. You got connected to CIA through a connection you made at your Fox internship. Can you share... Um, some advice that you have on how to keep these relationships alive at internships, especially if the experience wasn't super pleasant? Yeah, I think that, um, so my, my simple advice is that you, and this isn't just for interns, this is for post-grad as well, but you stay in touch with your professional contacts three times per year, like three times per year. That's it. So you, it's just really important for you to, for you to stay in touch with people and to not, you don't always have to ask them something. You know, it's nice to just reach out to people and tell them you're thinking of them, wish them a happy holidays, a happy birthday, whatever it might be. And just say hello. I mean, in a world where everyone's getting too many emails, like don't force yourself to ask a question if you don't have one, just send a nice email that says hello. And if they don't respond, like that's okay. They saw the email, you know? Um, so, so that's really my advice in cultivating these, um, in cultivating these relationships. And if you haven't been in, if you're listening to this and thinking like, Oh, I haven't been in touch with that one person, like use me as an excuse, you know, you were listening to this interview with this intern queen girl and, uh, you know, it reminded you of this person and, and that's fine. I do that all the time. Lauren was at CAA for a couple of years and she started to recognize that she wasn't as passionate about reading movie scripts and staying up to date with the industry as her coworkers were. And something that I'll mention, because I think this is important for people to hear, like I was at this company that if you move to L.A. and you work at CAA, like you are cool, right? Like it is cool. And not only are the people that work there like drinking the Kool-Aid, but everybody else in town and out of town also drinks the Kool-Aid. So and this is like this isn't um 
specific to CAA, there's certain companies where you work there. And like, not only is everybody at the company, like obsessed with the company, but the people around you who might not even know any, like my parents thought that CAA was like the coolest thing in the world because they represent movie stars. So here I am at this cool company. I remember being like, like a little bit jealous and just very disconnected. I am not the right person for this job. Like I don't want to go home and read a bunch of movie scripts. I think it's cool, but that doesn't mean I'm connected to it or passionate about it. Like I want to be good at something different. And the one thing that I was passionate about was intern queen. And at that time, like entrepreneurship wasn't really a thing. People didn't really quit their jobs to do their own thing. That rarely happened. And if it did, you didn't hear about it a lot. So, um, it was really tough to make the decision to to leave and to go do my own thing, but but that's kind of where it came from. And so I think a lot of people are out there and are stuck in that situation where like they're working at a quote unquote cool place and their family and friends think it's really cool. And it's really hard to like be true to yourself and say like, while this is cool, this isn't me. And what was that? What was that spark moment, though, when when you were just like, all right, I'm quitting and I'm going full-time into this. No, so it's a little bit of a complicated story. At CAA, I had told everybody that I was the intern queen. I was the intern queen. Um, I was kind of practicing my own advice, which is like we keep saying it throughout this um, interview today, but like you advocate you. But I was telling everybody that I wanted to start this internship company. And um, this agent was like, that I'd never met before came up to me one day and was like, hey, are you the girl that calls herself the intern queen? And I said, yes. And he said, can you come into my office? I have something to talk to you about. And one of his clients, Marshall Herskovitz, who's a famous movie producer, he has a project. It was a failed television project called Quarter Life. But he has this whole Quarter Life digital community. It's all young people. It's college aged. What if you, with your intern queen thing, offer them internships? And that way, while Marshall figures out his next step, you can keep entertaining this digital audience that he's created. So P.S., I mean, this is all true story. So I quit CAA in like 2008 and I went to work for this movie producer at his um, production company, which at the time was called Quarter Life. And it was I thought it was like the start. Right. I thought this was like my my moment to shine. And um Marshall is awesome and great. And I'm forever grateful for him for getting me out of the situation that I was in at CAA because I don't know how else I would have left. At first, it was quarterlife.com slash intern queen. And that was where I started hosting internships and sharing advice via blog and and kind of like building out what would eventually become internqueen.com. But unfortunately, it was very short lived at Quarter Life and like they just couldn't sustain their digital projects. So right around, I think, like August, September 2009, Marshall was like, sorry, Lauren, like this isn't happening. So that was short. <laughs> but, and then my parents were like, oh, God, now what? You're at CAA. You went to work for this famous producer, but now you're by yourself again. Like, are you going to work at McDonald's? What's happening? And at that point, I was like, I'm just going to do this on my own. I felt like the writing was on the wall and I felt like it was time. And I moved everything from quarter life to internqueen.com. So that was really helpful because that building that, you know, website piece of it was really expensive. And so the fact that I was able to kind of do some of that in the early stages under basically on Marshall's dime was very helpful. But eventually we moved it over to Intern Queen and I was in business. And Lauren has worked for herself ever since. And before we go, where can our listeners find you and join the Intern Queen Network? 
Yeah. So we have, um, so we have two websites, internqueen.com and careerqueen.com. Use one if you're in college, the other, if you're not. And, um, on Instagram, we have three names these days. Cause why not? Um, <laughs> we have, uh, at intern queen. So if you're in college, definitely follow that. We post a lot of our, um, ambassador opportunities and internships on our Insta story for intern queen. And then we have at official career queen where we actually post jobs. And then my personal is at official Lauren Berger and it's B E R G E R. So that's where you can find me. That wraps up part two in the Get It Together series. Huge thanks to Lauren Berger for sharing her wisdom throughout this experience, A Day in the Life series. If you haven't already, be sure to listen to part one in this series to experience a day in the life of the intern queen. So they say you can't get a job without experience, but need experience to get the job. But luckily, we have quite the experience. You can join our team and experience a day in the life of the jobs you want by applying to be a student editor. Regardless of your major or amount of experience, this is the perfect stepping stone into any internship or career. Find more info and sign up at xadiddle.com students. That's x-a-d-i-t-l dot students. Thanks for listening. Head over to exadiddle.com. That's X-A-D-I-T-L.com. There you can find the show notes for this series and more A Day in the Life articles. And you can get to know us and our guests more by joining our communities on social media. Follow at exadiddle on Instagram and on LinkedIn by searching for Krista Bow and Matt with one T Poe. If you learned something in this episode, please take some time to help our mission by leaving a positive rating and review of the show. Each week, we bring you a new interview series with guests from different jobs and different industries. In each series, we'll live a specific day in the life, hour by hour, and experience their career journey. So don't forget to subscribe.